judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome, Welcome back, back, everyone. Jinx! <laughs> Jinx! So how are you? Um, I'm all right. Guess what I did this morning? You'll Drugs. never guess. I should probably... <laughs> heroin (laughs) i mean it was kind of crack like i made cinnamon rolls from scratch oh damn okay yeah that's impressive i have a quick a quick recipe that my mom always made growing up my grandma made before that and it's just i mean it's so simple it really Mm -hmm. takes like from start to finish 20 minutes half an hour it's wow so quick yeah Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. They're a little bit smaller, like they don't puff up because they're not yeast based. Okay. Um, they do use they use baking powder, but um, oh yeah, I was like, we need to go grocery shopping. We didn't have a ton of food, and I was like, but I think I'll make a treat. And I was like, oh, I've got all the ingredients for this. Let's do it. Nice. So I made cinnamon rolls for breakfast this morning. I love that for you, and I'm sad for me not to have any. <clears throat> you live too far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some days, it, 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 next time we record in person, maybe just remind me. Ooh. Because they're, they're real quick. Um, I will. I will okay. absolutely remind you. Yeah. Um, what is going on with me? Me, I am, I am not sick anymore, but I still feel kind of sick. I don't know. Yeah, you sound a little congested, right? I, uh, sorry, everybody. <clears throat> this is what I sound like now. Um, yeah, I had a really bad cold. Caused by a, a super spreader event at work. Anytime we get together at work and it's like collaborate and communicate, it's always like communicable diseases. Like I always <laughs> get sick after and I'm like, thanks everyone for collaborating on these germs with me. Yeah. It's been great. Every time. Yeah. And I was like, I, can't, I think I need to start wearing a mask at those events. Seriously. I, I mean, I teach a class of 35 students in a room that literally has 36 desks. Okay, <laughs> and... I and has no like windows don't open in the in the building so yeah I'm just like no I I'm not like especially if I'm walking amongst them to see Mm -hmm. what they're working on and what they're doing there's like no way I don't have that mask pulled up I just they're one-on-one I can I can be a better judge of like, okay, this looks like a situation. And I know that's not 100%, right? Like I know this person looks like they have COVID right now. Or (laughs) you look dirty. (laughs) But it's not even that. It's just like you could be, anyone could be asymptomatic, right? And so like I could get it from literally that one-on-one meeting that I have with Mm -hmm. somebody. But there's just something about the quantity of people that just like... I was at Comic-Con and I was like, hell no, I don't trust these fools. (laughs) I didn't even get a cold at Comic-Con thinking about it now. I was like, I got one from work. So I've never had COVID, knock on wood. But like I get colds like all the time. And like that whole like 2020 to 2021, we weren't going anywhere. So I didn't have a cold and it was Mm -hmm. glorious. And then in 2022, I got my first cold and I was like, a newborn baby I could not do anything I was absolutely pathetic I was like what is happening and I was yeah. like oh I just haven't had a cold in years like this is what it feels like so that's like we're mm-hmm. back to that now I'm back to like having a cold like 
every six months or something. No, not me. I'm keeping that damn mask on. I just, uh, I, and, and it's funny because it is like, I pick and choose. And so my yeah. risk is, my risk is still there. I'm not mm-hmm. like, like I am, if you are a mask a hundred percent of the time person, I, I fully support you and I'm glad you're doing what is right for you. And, uh, but I know that most people aren't. And so when I'm like, in the grocery store, I don't necessarily because there's not a ton of people like yeah. in close proximity. But if I'm at Comic Con or in a tiny classroom, yeah, or a subway I, car, I've been wearing it. On oh the train yeah, sometimes. always on the subway. I don't think I'll because, ever not wear one on the subway again. Because people on the subway are disgusting. Like yeah. no one is covering their mouth anymore when they cough. Like they're just like sneezing into like the atmosphere. Like I don't get what's going on with people. I don't know. I think it's. Everyone's like the main character and it's annoying. But yeah, yeah, on the subway, I've been like, oh, this is a good place to have a mask on because you're disgusting. So thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Speaking of thanks, let's talk about Thanksgiving. Yeah. And wrapping up, I, for me, wrapping up spooky season because I'm seeing Christmas shit and it's not for me yet. So I'm still like in my autumn lifestyle over here. Sure. Sure, yes. sure. I, I mean, I November is November is for fall for me, yes. right? Like, I don't personally start the Christmas stuff, but you know what? I definitely get the whole like, look, I need a little bit of joy in my life, and if Christmas brings someone joy, then great. You do you. It's it's it, it ties in with the whole like people who start fall and spooky season in August. Like, great, yes. not for me. You do you. That's totally fine. You know capitalism is, there it is. where <laughs> I have the issue with Christmas, where I have there the issue is. with Halloween, where I have mm-hmm. the issue with basically any holiday in this country. It just, yeah. That's my issue with Christmas. Like, so I saw, and I was so mad at it because I liked it. There was a, like a Capital One commercial with John Travolta as Santa and they're playing like staying alive. Have you seen this commercial? I have not. I will. It's amazing. It's, um, I love it. I love it and I hate that I love it because I saw it like on on Halloween I saw it so I was pissed about that and I was like I don't want to like equate Santa with you know buying gifts with his Capital One credit card but this commercial is so funny and it's John Travolta as Santa and I was like <laughs> why hasn't he been playing Santa before this like he does such a good job he's got the beard everything it looks so good but like I hate that it's like yay holiday season spend time with friends and family buy tons of shit like it just feels like it's all for capitalism. And I know every every episode, this bitch only talks about capitalism, but like, it, it feel like that overshadows Christmas for me. And because it starts so early, it's like, oh, you need to start your buying. So like we start advertising to you earlier. Like that's why I feel like Christmas is annoying to me because it's mostly about spending money. Yeah. And it well, it's funny because I was thinking like, well, that's what I enjoy about Thanksgiving for as problematic as Thanksgiving is on so many yes. levels. And I know this <laughs> and I acknowledge this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, Thanksgiving isn't about capitalism. I'm like, but literally five seconds after Thanksgiving is over, it's all about capitalism. It's Black Friday, Black Friday yeah. right? Like, I hate yeah. it. But Thanksgiving itself, like, for me, is the time when I, like, get together with friends and mm-hmm. um, enjoy good food. And again, I know and I understand the problematic aspects of it. I I don't deny that element of it but i mm-hmm. choose not to honor that element of it i guess is that i don't know that that's the best way i can think of putting it 
I feel like it's kind of like taking back the day, right? Like, I don't know if we're the ones to take back the day, but like, I don't think of any pilgrims at all when I have like Friendsgiving. But I do love the aspect of like getting everybody together. Like you said, like having a good meal, like being thankful for the people around you and letting you know that you're thankful for them. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like my new version of Thanksgiving. Right, right. It's... It's it's a weird one, right? It's it's yeah. tough to be like, I like Thanksgiving because <laughs> you just know like all the problems around it. Yeah. But honestly, I'm I'm struggling to feel any holidays this year. Like I just don't have the energy for any of that it part. right now. Yeah. And that that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to like deal with. So but you know, I, I think in the moment when I'm there with everyone, that's when mm -hmm. I do enjoy it. It's just that yeah. anticipation of it. It's like, ugh. There's going to be so much to do. I, I like I like kind of the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, like having things to do and like places to go because I don't ever really want to go anywhere. But like I'll do it because like it is the season. I just don't want to spend a whole bunch of money. Yes, I feel that. I feel that. Um, oh, this is like brand. No, it's like, well. On topic, off topic. Um, our episode on witches last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks we've all ago. Listen to it. So, like, as I was doing like the post on Instagram um, with like all the photos and stuff, I was just like, "Hey, this looks real white." <laughs> and as I was doing the notes, I like edited a lot because I was like, "Okay, we're at like nineteen pages of notes here. Like, this is getting crazy." So I've decided that next year. For um, Halloween, I want to do like part two about witches, but I want to spend more time talking about um, kind of the lack of representation. And when you do see representation of Latinx people or and black people and indigenous people, I feel like whenever you see witchcraft portrayed in those cultures, it's like voodoo or like Santeria and it's like dirty and evil. And why mm. is that? Like, I had so many questions. And then I was like, we've already recorded this episode. And I started taking notes. And I was like, what are these notes for? And I'm like, oh, these notes are for next year. So <laughs> next year, there will be a, a, a bigger episode on witches. I feel like we left a lot up because it's like it's such a big topic. Right. And it could have been like a two-parter. So like next year, I feel like I want to like really dive into it. Because like there's not a lot of representation. And like any representation I could think of was like kind of negative. And I was like, well, this is shitty. There's got to be like better views on this and i was like you know what we're gonna write about it so you have to wait a whole nother year but like all we'll right do more on witches you know who doesn't have to wait anymore the who? actors to do oh, their yes. job <laughs> the strike I, is over the strike is over congratulations to sag aftra for yes. getting a a contract that they felt mm. that they could work with like i'm excited for everyone to to celebrate Celebrate your victory. But Quinta, I need you to get back and get me some Abbott Elementary stat. Like, <laughs> get back in that studio. Like, I know you, like, the writer strike was over a little bit ago. So maybe, like, they've written a couple of episodes. But, like, there are shows that I'm, like, jonesing for. And I'm, like, please, please give them to me. Yeah, that's a, that's a top-tier show for sure. S-tier, yeah. oh, as, so as they say. Um, yeah. And S-tier, like, superior. Who says that? They do. <laughs> i just never heard it what it's, do I, I know it's i don't know it's i i know it from like internet videos and stuff like youtube and things here so. okay yeah i could get behind that. i don't know how common it is i could be like dating myself by using it i don't know yeah. but whatever 
Oh, is, speaking of comment. Oh, wait, were you going to say something? No, no, go ahead. Um, so we had this conversation on a little rep and it came up again this morning for me. Um, so on a little rep, we talked about there is a on Netflix there's a show called The Fall of the House of Usher. And I was having a conversation with friends of mine and they were like, Usher Raymond, like the R&B star. And I was like, no, not at all. And the girl book. and Poe story. <laughs> exactly. So I've had that conversation with many different people and either like it's, it's, it's 50, 50 if they think it's Usher or they think it's the book. And it's, uh, we had a conversation on a little bit about like where your spectrum of like knowledge lies on the pop culture, like scale. And like, I'm like, I don't think that anybody's wrong in this scenario. I think it's very like interesting and funny and I don't know what this is, but I'm so interested. So this morning my husband's doing the New York times, uh, crossword puzzle and he's like, I screenshotted it. Like the big one or the No, the there's like a mini one on the app. Yeah, I did the mini, but why do I not remember? Because, yeah, I played, I played it this morning, too. It took me two minutes and 44 seconds. Bro, it took me 15 minutes. <laughs> I couldn't figure out the spelling of on guard. I no, it was, I, oh. I, yeah, I had to redo that one as well. Like, I, 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 I had to go to the vertical before I got that one. So he goes, one who's trying to make fetch happen. Oh, yeah. And I, and I hung go, up on Mean Girl. <laughs> I go, Gretchen Wieners. And he's like, no, it's three letters. And I was like, it's Gretchen Wieners. What are you talking about? <laughs> and now, like, I'm just lying in bed like, what's her middle name? Is it her initials? And then I go, wait, is it dog? And he goes, oh, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, who? why on earth would I have thought and I was like you know what New York Times well done because you were like millennials do this and they'll get hung up on mean girls they absolutely will uh -huh. and that's exactly what happened <laughs> like I was I spent maybe five minutes trying to figure out how Gretchen Wieners could be three letters but like <laughs> there's not that many words with three letters so it's clearly fucking dog like I don't understand I know I was that. like the plastics doesn't fit i was like yeah. going through my head anything anything <laughs> and i was like do they think it's regina george and they have like reg i was like so confused mm -hmm. and then i was like you know what if you asked like our parents they would have automatically said dog because they wouldn't have been thinking mean girls and i was like what is that called with like your, your spectrum of like pop culture like because i i felt so dumb afterwards i was like of course it's dog but like my you could have you would have had to pay me money to convince me that it wasn't Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> like I was like, that's who's making Fetch happen. That's who's trying to make it happen. What are you I talking was literally about? going through like the whole movie going like, okay, is there yeah. anyone in there whose name is only three letters? And I was like, Katie's more than like, Caddy's more than like four, three no, letters. No, it's Katie. Like, it's Katie or is it Cat? No. It's Katie. Remember she does a whole thing where she's like, mm. it's Katie, like Elizabeth Katie Stanton. Yes. But anyway, I just think that that's a very interesting theory. And I would I put to all the listeners who like, do you find things like that in your life? Like, where so, what's the first thing you think of? And why is it oh. the first thing you think of it? I feel like that's so interesting. So here's one. And I don't know if... So I observed uh, one of my colleagues' classes the other day. And after the observation, we were talking about what happened um, in the class. And mm -hmm. she said, oh, yeah, I ran into one of my students getting off the elevator. And they were talking about femicide in class. Okay. Right? So she gets off the elevator. She sees a student. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, today's topic is really heavy. And the student gave her a weird look. 
But she was like, okay, whatever. Then they got to class and they did. At the end of class, that student went up to her and said, like, for me, heavy means, like, cool. What? <laughs> and I was like, this is she is... from the 70s? Because that's... No, I was like, this is our Doc Brown moment. Because, like, <laughs> in Back to the Future, he's like, heavy? What does weight have to got to do with anything? <laughs> And, like, for us, heavy is, like, intense, Yeah, right? yeah. So, like, I don't know what, like, heavy is cool, but, like, yeah, now that's, like, a third degree of that word. I'm thinking of, like, the 60s. Like, you would hear somebody say, like, yeah, that's heavy, man. Like, as in that's cool. But, like, I haven't heard anybody reference it in that way in such a long time. Well, and even then, I always thought heavy was, like, it just meant a lot. Like, that's a lot. That's in. It didn't have to be intense necessarily, but it yeah. was just a lot of something. But that's interesting. Yeah. I, I I wanna. I don't know what this is called. If it's what just is like this phenomenon language? But I wanna like take class on it. Like I'm I bet so there's interested. like a TikTok thing. Uh, somebody does TikToks on this, like a linguistics Maybe. TikTok or something. <laughs> I would love to like be like, hey, stitch this with like. What do they call it? TikTok? If I knew how to do. <laughs> if I knew how to do any of that shit, I would be like, hey stitch this with something that happened to you very similar because I want to hear all the stories about like why you thought it was one thing and it clearly wasn't that. Yeah. Yeah. Because they do the ones about like what's a word that you read and you mispronounced it or whatever or like <laughs> a word a word that you mispronounced one time and no one will let you live it down. And like so get, did you see the one with the guy with manslaughter? Man's laughter? <laughs> yeah. He's like he's like a guy went to jail for 50 years for laughing and it's like <laughs> what? men's laughter it's like no man that's so funny oh god no i saw the one about whether it's me or may the justin timberlake one. Oh yeah right because everyone says it's gonna be may yes all the time now (laughs) i mean i still think it's funny yes i think also think like the whole justin timberlake phenomenon thing like he's he's always been shit and people should have always known it but now, like, Britney has a book out and people are like, he's terrible. But you're all going to buy sync tickets when they go on sale. Me included. So, like, the whole fake I'm upset cancel culture thing, it's 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 hysterical to me. Like, it, he's fine. He's going to be fine. He's oh, yeah. He's going He'll to be, be like fine. a rich white man. People are going to buy his music. Like, it's it, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Because if we were all so mad about it, everyone would have stopped listening to him after what he did to Janet facts yeah i mean it's it, whatever justin timberlake will be fine people will pay him to do things we're all making fun of him right now but it's like you knew he was that like he did stupid like black scent shit back then and people were like hey that's weird and like people just didn't care it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just weird to me like it's i guess like the delayed what am i trying to say like the delayed uh aggravation with him is it doesn't sit like genuine with me like i'm just like yeah okay i hear that i hear that sure like you're mad about it now because britney has this book that's like really popular right now which i'm also trying to get my work book club to do because i kind of want to read it but it seems so trashy that i'm like i can't read this for my own purposes like i can't and it's also like 200 something pages so it's like a quick read all right but i'm trying to get my book club to do it because i was like this will be an easy holiday read because we're all too busy to have like. Yeah, we were book. just talking about that in my book club, too, is like, OK, we we don't want to not do book club, but also maybe because our book club, we sometimes do movies as well. Oh, and okay. so we're like, 
Maybe we do a movie for like next, like the, our next one. And then we do like an end of the year sort of trivia, just like Ooh. hanging out and like hang with us as we chit chat and whatnot, like not stress about it for the end of the year. So That's, yeah, I mean, the end of the year should be like super, super chill. Yeah. Um, But before we get to the end of the year. Yeah, we have we- a couple of more episodes before we get to our big end of the year extravaganza <laughs> where where we spit spit tea spit facts what did i say yes. that time <laughs> um spit spit tea no you spilling, said spill, spilling facts spilling facts <laughs> yeah and i was just like i lost it it was very very funny yeah i think i i think i labeled the last like blooper episode with that title or something I think you did yeah it was worth it it's very funny ridiculous but we should get down to business no yes <laughs> all right so today we are covering a woman whose death actually often overshadows her life and that is miss natalie wood so we're going to talk about her star power from her childhood through her teenage years and into adulthood along with how the media perceived her then we'll focus on her home life from being the sole provider for her family growing up uh, from a very young age to the imposter syndrome she sometimes felt and even the ways in which she was different in public and in private. Finally, we'll wrap it all up with some of her achievements and the legacy that she's left behind. So trigger warnings for animal cruelty, suicide, and death. So I feel like this one kind of needs a disclaimer. Um, It's not so much that Natalie Wood needs to be like redeemed or something, but it's more about what people focus on. So we covered Selena earlier this year for kind of the same reason. Wood had this like tragic and mysterious death that overshadowed her life. People stopped thinking about her as this like talented child star turned glamorous Hollywood actress and started to think about her in terms of theories and conspiracies. Mm, Yeah. So today we want to talk about her life. Let's do this, right? Natalie Wood was born Natalie Zakarenko. She was born on July 20th, 1938 in San Francisco, California. Her parents were Maria Zudalova and Nicholas Zakarenko. Uh, she had an older half-sister and then later a younger sister, Svetlana, who also acted uh, under the name Lana Wood. Her family called her Natasha. We couldn't figure out if it was like a nickname or maybe if Natalie was like her American name. But she always introduced herself as Natasha Zakarenko. And, and that's interesting to think about because, you know, I see that a lot today with uh, many of my students with East oh, yeah. Asian names in oh, particular. Yeah. So I wonder if like with Russian names, that was a thing then as well. Or it's like sort of a way to make you f- blend in a little more with the American. I think that it... I think that it might have been f- because of like the reasons that her family like left Russia. I feel like maybe it was a let's like assimilate thing. But mm-hmm. like her mom and dad called her Natasha like her whole life. Yeah. That should make it clear to you all the name Wood is a stage name. Right. As Kim mentioned, the family's from Russia and both sides fled during the Russian Civil War. While Zakharenko carries a lot of history, this film studio thought that Wood was uh more appealing to English-speaking moviegoers, right? Yeah, it's it's just so many people changed their name, like, mm-hmm. back then. I mean, they still do. I mean, now. They still yeah. do, but I feel like sometimes for different reasons. And there are, Well, Jonah Hill. Be- didn't Jonah Hill change his name, but his sister know. uses it? Yes. What's his sister's name? Oh, my God. It was, it was an attempt to sound less Jewish, and I always thought that that was really sad. 
Feldstein. Yes. Mm-hmm. Beanie Feldstein is his sister. So she uses the name. But like when he started, it was an attempt to sound less Jewish. And I was like, that sucks. You felt you had to do that. But right. But that's, yeah. you know, you, you get that a lot. But now we're starting to see a little shift in that where people are like, I don't know, even thinking like someone like Pedro Pascal, like that's not even mm-hmm. his full name, but <laughs> it's his real name. Yeah. Right. I know there was, wasn't Sophia Loren one of those too? Yes. Her last name or something is not Loren. Like, I think it's something yeah, longer. Yeah, it's Sophia Villani Schicolone. She, she, oh. she, uh, it's some Italian name that I definitely can't pronounce. I'm very sorry to all of our Italian. I, I always try. Oh, my God. There's one, and I learned it, and I always forget it. Chiwetel Ejiofort. He was in 12 Years a Slave and Firefly. Um, and he's a fantastic actor. And like he always talked about, like, you know, it's so hard for people to pronounce his name. And I was like, well, if you are a fan of someone, you should be able to say their name. And like, I feel like everybody knows how to say Zach Galifianakis. And it definitely, I think, is, is a culture thing. Um, if we like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like we should learn how to say people's names properly. Like they shouldn't mm-hmm. have to change it for us. Like exactly. You, you can learn it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Raquel Welsh. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh, what's her actual name? Um, Joe Raquel Tejada. Yeah. What is her nationality? She's Latina. Uh, her, her father was Bolivian. What? How did I never know that? And her mother, her mother is like white American, like Mayflower mm. American, apparently. Mayflower. <laughs> I could I could say that because I kind of am too. <laughs> the other one, Rita Hayworth. Her name was Mar- her name? Margarita Carmen Cancino. That's insane. That yeah. sounds so much cooler than Rita Hayworth, right? But they had to like anglify everything back yeah. then. It was. Well, I think like her- that happened to people who like immigrated here too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and that's Gross. how a lot of people end up with different last names, right? So, yeah, America. she was Spanish, it looks like, because mm-hmm. her father was a flamenco dancer. Um, he was Sephardic Jew from ah. Spain. So he's one of the the, the Spanish Jews <laughs> that uh, were, like, probably exiled going back to, like, the Inquisition. <laughs> Jesus, what a history lesson. There we go. All right. But... Natalie would at least um, <laughs> Natalie is allegedly her actual name, but there's even debate about that, right? Whether, yeah, because then there was something that said like maybe her birth certificate said like Natalia or yeah. So I don't super know. <laughs> anyway, she she gets this um, this name, but the film studio really focuses on the fact that like we need to appeal to English speaking audiences and so we're going to change Zakharenko to Wood. Wood was actually discovered at age five when a film crew spotted her and her mother out walking. Her mother instructed her to hop into the lap of director Irving Pitchell. Yeah. (laughs) In the year 2023? No. (laughs) He was so taken by the five-year-old that he put her in his film called Happy Land that very day. I I just, I'm like weirdly creeped out by this whole thing. I 
I think it probably because, was innocent, but I know. But like the first thing you think of is like, ugh, some weird. Like I mean, Harvey Weinstein has ruined it for like everyone, right? Like yeah. the first thing you think of is like, ugh, this creep just wanted to like smooth up to this child. What a weirdo! But it's like he probably was like, yo, this kid is precocious as fuck, and I need somebody for this film. You want to be in this movie, kid? I'll make it'll make your day. <laughs> like she's like, you see her from like the leg. Like it's an overhead shot, so like you don't see her face, mm-hmm. but like. I mean, she probably got paid for a little bit of work and she probably like had a lot of fun that day. So looking at it in like very innocent eyes, he's probably just like, this kid's going to be so excited to be in this movie. And like now we have someone perfect. Like, yeah. what a good day I'm having. I'm just a great, wholesome director. Let's let's assume that he was a wholesome director. You know? Let's do that. I, I need that. I need, <laughs> I need that mentally. So two years later, Pitchell? Pitchell? Pitchel? I mean, that's what I said, but... Pitchell? Pitchell? Pichel? Pichel? I don't know why I'm going up so high. <laughs> so two years later, Pichel gave Wood a much larger role in a film called Tomorrow is Forever. This film starred Orson Welles, actor, director, screenwriter, producer Orson Welles. Yes, that Orson Welles. Also, the creator of the torture device known as Citizen Kane. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. And yeah. I feel like I must have said it on this podcast a couple of times. Oh, multiple times. Definitely. I hate it. Like, it is groundbreaking for the time, whatever. But, like... Orson Welles was like crazy respected and he was a really good person to have on your side in Hollywood. And he loved Wood. He was quoted as saying that Wood was a born professional. So good. She was terrifying. He also said, Natalie doesn't act from the script. She acts from the heart. Also, she was like five, so she probably couldn't read it. (laughs) She couldn't. (laughs) Wood worked on a few other films until her big hit and probably most well-known film, Miracle on 34th Street. This film has become a Christmas classic and opened the door for her to appear in about 20 more films between 1947 and 1952. And while I do love the remake, because I always forget her name, but the Matilda girl. I just read a thing about her too. I can't remember. I follow her on Blue Sky and I like can't remember her name. Is Blue Sky like the new Twitter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I can't Mar- remember Mara name, I- Wilson. That's what it is. Yes. Mara. Um, she just did something good. She like donated or something. Um, I like her. I've not seen either iteration of this film. Oh, okay. No, I mean, th- not a Christmas girl, but I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe that'll I mean, be a, that if one that's was... on your list for me to watch when we do our our movie swap movie trade episode. Yeah, yeah. The I think the the nineties remake was really. It, it had a little more life to it, right? Because I think mm-hmm. the studio movies of like the 1940s and 50s and, and that time are a little more succinct and to the point and mm-hmm. less like in the development. Um, but they didn't yeah. have a lot of money or, or film. <laughs> well, exactly. And they couldn't they couldn't afford to just like do 800 takes. It was. Yeah. Oh, so it was 1994. Yeah, so I'm kind of surprised that you didn't see that, like, as a kid. But, you know, that's cool. I mean, I think I've been... No judgment. Oh, John Hughes director. Oh, it's a producer. Never mind. Um, but you saw Matilda, yes? <gasps> Dylan McDermott's in it. Um, why didn't you say that? I did see Matilda. Okay. Because it was about magic. I don't think I've ever been, like, excited about... A Christmas, Christmas movie. Stuff. Yeah, no, like, that's- I don't think... Oh, Mary McCormick. Okay. I would maybe watch this. Yeah. I would recommend that one to start, right? Um, I think they're both good. It's 
the same story for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I love Natalie Wood in that movie uh, in the original because she's just so like, my mom told me Santa isn't real and <laughs> she just like gets the toys from the store and it's fine. Like I'm over it. <laughs> I, I think I didn't see this movie because I was, I was that kid. I was like, this guy flies through the sky and hits everyone's house. Everyone? Don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what age I was when I like officially learned that there was no Santa, but I think I was kind of young because I feel like I was like, this doesn't this doesn't shake out. I had lots of questions as a child, as you should, as which all made kids me fun should. in Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for that. Yeah. Those nuns did not like me. Wood's mother and agent were very ambitious about her career. She studied. She worked. Those were her priorities, or at least her mother's priorities. It was her mother's dream that Natalie would star in a movie. So her mother, Maria, pursued it very aggressively. But we'll get more into that a little bit later. Wood was getting frustrated with playing parts made for kids. By the time she was 11, she was still playing eight-year-olds, which, like, you know, we get 30-year-olds playing 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds all the time. time, So, Um, But this was a different time. Um, And it was getting a little bit boring for her, you know. Um, As Wood grew up, she was looking to be more than just a star. She wanted to be a serious actress and she wanted to maybe work with some more experimental directors, take on different roles. This was a risk, right? Because all the roles before were this sort of spunky or precocious kid and Wood was looking to take on edgier roles. This need to do something different led Wood and her mother to butt heads, uh, leading her to rebel. So Wood started drinking and dating and became a Hollywood party girl. She was rebelling pretty hard, you know, or was she just being 16? why not both why not both yes so speaking of rebel there was a project in the works that would that every leading lady was clamoring for it starred james dean it was being directed by nicholas ray rebel without a cause was billed as an american coming of age romantic drama filled about emotionally confused suburban middle-class teenagers it is cooler than it sounds yeah that description does does not do it benefit (laughs) like ugh rich kids and their sad problems. But I mean, honestly, that's that's a real genre. That's still that really today. is. Um, <laughs> but like James Dean was in this one for one and his career was like on fire. So like it was going to be big, even if like with just his name attached, it was going to be a big film. So everybody else wanted to be part of it. And Natalie Wood was 16 years old at this time, and she really wanted this role more than anything. It was going to be for her this transition from child star to teen star, right? From being a tween to a serious actress. In an article titled How Natalie Wood Seduced Her Way Into Rebel Without a Cause, writer Bill Higgins tells the story of how Wood won the role. First off, Billy, I have concerns about this title, but I will let you continue for now. Higgins speaks of the competition, right? Bigger actresses at the time that were also being considered, people like Debbie Reynolds and Jane Mansfield. And Higgins writes, Between the time Wood interviewed with director Nicholas Ray, 44, and did a screen test, they'd become lovers rendezvousing in a Chateau Marmont bungalow. This still didn't seal her getting the part, though. So, Bill... Billy, this dude was 44 years old and Wood was 16. So I'm going to need you to rethink this title because seduce feels like the wrong fucking word, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely Creeper creeps on young actress. Yeah. Um, Groomer. Yeah. Assault. (laughs) Any of those. Yeah. But like Higgins says, Wood wasn't automatically cast. It wasn't until after Wood was in a possibly drunk car crash with Dennis Hopper 
who was also cast in the film, right? Um, mm. She was in the hospital when Ray came to visit her, and the doctor called Wood, quote, a goddamn juvenile delinquent. And she yelled, did you hear what he called me, Nick? He called me a goddamn juvenile delinquent. Now do I get the part? <laughs> I love the sass. Love right? It. Later that week, Ray wrote a memo to Warner Brothers that read, we just spent three days testing 32 kids. There is only one girl who has shown the capacity to play Judy, and she is Natalie Wood. This paid off. Wood's innocent child star persona was gone, and now she was an Oscar-nominated actress with more control over her career. So Wood graduated from high school and started working for Warner Brothers pretty frequently until adulthood. When she got tired of being cast as the girlfriend over and over again, she started to refuse roles. For this, she was suspended for a year, eight, a little bit more than a year. It was 18 months. So this is, uh, just, just for clarification, right? This is yeah. because actors at this time were hired by a studio. Yeah. And basically whatever projects the studio had, mm-hmm. you could be chosen for, right? Yeah. yeah. They were just like, you worked for... You worked Warner for Warner Brothers. Too. So she worked for Warner Brothers and only made Warner Brothers films. And they would hand her a script and be like, you're doing this one next. And she'd be like, I'm not. This one sucks. And then it's like, okay next one you're doing this and it's like no this one also sucks and it's like well you're not gonna work anymore if you don't do the things that we tell you to do exactly so that i mean i wonder what uh i mean we just said that like sag is like back i wonder what part of like the contract negotiation like what year did they con they negotiate that out where you could work for whatever studio you wanted to yeah that's that'd be interesting looking that's interesting. into that yeah after her suspension was over after 18 months, she was allowed to work again, but she was still getting trash parts. Wood's career was in a transition period. She was becoming an adult and aging out of those teen roles. So she was looking for something different yet again. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of aging out of teenage things, Wood was also head over heels in love with her boyfriend. He was a fellow actor and they had interacted in the past. Wood told everyone how excited she was to be with Robert Wagner. Right? She declared, when I grow up, I'm going to marry him. I mean, at least she's acknowledging she's not grown, but there we go. Yeah. She said she thought this as like the first time they crossed paths in the halls of Fox Studios. And she was only 10 years old and he was 18 at the time. So like she'd been thinking about this for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like her her celebrity crush, if you will. Could you imagine marrying your celebrity crush? Well, well, if <laughs> I married my celebrity crush from when I was ten, I would have a very interesting experience with Kevin Sorbo right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would no doubt be Republican. It'd be weird. Oh God! It'd be weird. Oh God! No, no. I I'm trying to think. I guess the the only one in the first one that comes to mind is like so stereotypical it's like the devon sawa of it all oh my god <laughs> but he's at least a decent human right he is very decent no he's very chill yeah he would he would be a good person to be married to right now but um no this this makes me think about i watched this barbie like a making of the barbie movie youtube video when i fell mm-hmm. down a rabbit hole um and there was a thing like were Ken and Barbie going to kiss? And then it was like, oh, the logistics of that because they're dolls and like, would they just like press <laughs> their faces and what? And, oh my God, that would have been funny. And so they cut it. And it also, it, I think it worked better because Barbie wasn't into him that way. Yeah. Uh, but like Margot Robbie, like, like Ryan Gosling had been like one of her crushes growing up. <laughs> she's like, That's and funny. if she had had a chance to kiss Ryan Gosling, like. <laughs> I forget that she's so young. Is she like, did she like just turn 30? Like she's 
Um, I remember we did something and I was like, she's younger than us. When we did Harley Quinn. Yeah, she's 33 and Ryan Gosling is 42. Wow. So it's not a terrible okay. age difference. It's it's a no. similar age difference, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think because she's done so much stuff, but I feel like she's older. But Right. But kind of like yeah. Natalie Wood, like been around forever. <laughs> yeah. So in 1956, eight years later, and after a year of dating, um, Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood got married in Arizona. So you might know Robert Wa- Wagner from Heart to Heart, um, It Takes a Thief, and for people my age, Austin Powers. Who was he in, in Austin Powers? <sighs> I, I was like, I, I knew you were going to ask me, and I didn't look it up. Okay. No, that's that fair. You don't have to say time. it. We can skip it. Um, I haven't seen the movie in years. I wonder if it would hold up, because there's some movies that do not hold up. I don't think it would. Oh, he was number two. Dr. Oh, Evil's okay. right-hand man, number two. The guy with the eye patch. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Leave all that in, then. Okay. Um, yeah, like, some movies don't hold up. I... I I don't recommend trying to watch Hangover again. It's it's a horrible film. It's <laughs> so sexist and like it's weird. It's such a weird movie. Okay, so back to Robert Wagner. Um, at the time, his career wasn't nearly as big as Natalie Woods, but the marriage did put him in a spotlight to work on more things. One of those things was one of those things was a film called All the Fine Young Cannibals. The studio was looking to use the press off the their newlywed status and cast them together in a film. Wood hated the script. Wagner was just happy to have work. So the <laughs> I mean, film flopped, right? I mean, like, so you got to take what you can take sometimes. Mm-hmm. So the film did not do well. Everyone hated it, especially the critics. They didn't pull any punches to the point that Wood was worried about working again. She decided that she was going to take control over her career. She wasn't living with her mother anymore, so there was no one there to micromanage her. Wood was eager for a good role, and when she got the script for 1961's Splendor in the Grass, she knew that that... This was this was the script, right? The director Ilya Kazan um, of Streetcar Named Desire fame cast her in his film, and later wrote in his 1997 memoir that when he saw Natalie, he quote detected behind the well mannered young wife a front of desperate twinkle in her eyes. Basically, he knew she was perfect for the role, and he had to cast her. Mm. So he cast her as the lead, and the film was a huge hit. Her co-star was a young actor making his film debut. Uh, this guy, I don't know if you heard of him, maybe uh, Warren Beatty? Hmm? Found, maybe? Sound familiar? Anyway, uh, this film brought them both lots of success, other opportunities, and awards. So Wood's next big opportunity was directly connected to Splendor in the Gla- Grass, as a few casting directors were looking to cast Warren Beatty in their new film, and they went to a screening of Splendor in the Glass. Why do I keep saying glass? <laughs> You can't have splendor in the glass. That sounds terrible. I mean, it could be pretty, though. Yeah, but it sounds bloody. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what you're doing with this glass, but... It's broken. I was just looking at it. Why does it have to be broken? (laughs) I feel like... Isn't splendor like... Splendor is just like, like, yay, happiness and joy, right? I thought they were talking about having, like, sex in the grass. I mean, maybe they are, but it's 1941. Seven, 1961, maybe. I don't know. Oh, no. The poet compares the light of youth with flourishing of a glorious flower or the splendor of a single blade of grass. There you go. Never mind. I'm thinking it's like an afternoon delight in like the park or something. <laughs> what do I know about anything? 
Anyway, so these casting directors were looking to cast Warren Beatty, but they took one look at Wood and they knew that she'd be perfect for the leading lady in their film. That film was West Side Story. It is my favorite. I've been obsessed with it since I was a kid and I still kind of am. All right. Um, have you ever seen it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the remake? No. It's it's not as good, but it's still good. Okay. Yes. Um, so Wood was cast as the lead Maria. This film was a modern day Romeo and Juliet, but with singing, dancing, and knife fights. So I do want to say something about this film, right? And and I just, it's kind of pointing out that like some things just still haven't changed, right? Mm-hmm. Because there have been longstanding issues in Hollywood with casting non-ethnically appropriate actors in the lead role. And then like casting, well, in this case, it would be the Puerto Rican Rita Moreno in the supporting mm-hmm. role, right? Um, I mean... I think Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> right? Like that, that's one example, but it also happened to, uh, Raul Julia and William Hurt in kiss of the spider woman. That was from 1985. So like 1960s, 1980s, 2020s, we're still having some of that nonsense happening, but it's longstanding. West Side Story was wildly popular and basically let Natalie have the pick of films that she wanted to do for a few years. It also gave Natalie a career high paycheck of $250,000. That's pretty good. I wonder what that is. What's that in today's money? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) A lot. Um, Well, her career was riding high. Her marriage, not so much, right? Wood and Wagner fought constantly and about everything. The couple announced their separation in a joint press release and divorced 10 months later on April 27, 1962. After the divorce, Wood dated former co-star Warren Beatty, causing the tabloids to blame him for the breakup of her marriage. It was not actually the case, but, you know, we've got to sell the papers, so. That's what matters. Sell those papers. So now a 24-year-old divorced Natalie Wood started to choose roles that better fit her life. She leaned into drama where she did her best. Those roles dried up and she was left with comedy. But that genre didn't always put her in the best light. Wood felt trapped in her career that wasn't progressing. In 1966, Wood was given the Harvard Lampoon's Award for being the worst actress of last year, this year and next. <laughs> wow. <laughs> harsh. Way harsh. So Wood, ever the good sport, showed up in person to collect the award. She was the first person to ever do this. And a side note, Sandra Bullock also did this in 2010 when she showed up at the Razzie Awards in L.A. to accept the trophy for Worst Actress for her performance in All About Steve. That movie is terrible, but I am a Sandra Bullock apologist. And she can do no wrong. Well, and the fact that she showed up is like her acknowledging yeah okay it wasn't my best yeah. it wasn't my best role and i i i love wood for it just as much yes no i think i think it's such a great thing it's like oh you think that i'm the butt of this joke but guess what now we're laughing together mm-hmm. i'm here with sandra bullock she came out on the stage with like a like a little wagon filled with like dvds of all about steve and she's like i i encourage you to watch it again and like Maybe rethink it, but like she accepted her award. It was it was very funny. <laughs> well, later the same year, the year that Wood got this award, in quotes, right? Yeah. She took an overdose of sleeping pills and was rushed to the hospital where her stomach was pumped. She was suffering from depression, and after her attempt, she worked on taking her life back. So, yeah, it was an attempt on her own life, but... She didn't get stuck there necessarily. She started professional therapy and got rid of a lot of the stressors in her life. One of those being her career. 
So she actually paid Warner Brothers $175,000 to cancel her contract. She cut ties with her staff agents, managers, publicists, accountant, and attorneys. And instead, she spent a lot of time in London with a friend-turned-boyfriend, Richard Gregson. Uh, Gregson was a producer. He had children from a prior marriage and would love spending time with them as well. She felt like she found her real calling. So she wanted to start a family and provide them with love and privacy that she never had. On May 30th, 1969, the two married after about three years of dating. On September 29th, 1970, their daughter, Natasha Gregson, was born. And 10 months after that, Wood and Gregson were separated. He cheated and Woods filed for a divorce and moved back to America. Mm. Gross. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, they dated for like three years. Like, what? What? No, because she probably didn't want to have sex right after the baby was born, and he just needed to as a man. Ugh. <laughs> I just... Or maybe he was cheating that whole time, and that was the first time, like, she caught him. I don't know. Like, it's, yeah, it's maybe. so weird to me, like... I don't it's know. I'm just, gross, I'm no matter what way you put it. too lazy to cheat. I don't know. Like, if I'm dating for someone for three years, it's like, this is an investment that I've put in. Like, why would I ruin that for, like, Also, like, piece? who has the time? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have jobs? You have time to cheat on people? What? Also, the extra income to cheat on someone. Like, you have to take someone else out to dinner? Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. this economy? In this economy? Sorry. <laughs> In front of my salad? In front of my salad? <laughs> I love that you know that. <laughs> Amazing. <clears throat> okay. So a chance meeting with her ex-husband, Robert Wagner, reignited things between Wood and Wagner. It had been 11 years since they were together. They were both divorced and had families. And they were two different people. So they decided to take a chance to see if they could make things work again. They got remarried on July 16th, 1973. And March of that next year, their daughter, Courtney, was born. Wagner's career was picking up and Wood was overjoyed to be happy at home with her three girls. So she had Natasha from her marriage with Gregerson. Um, Katie was Wagner's daughter from his second marriage. And we just talked about Courtney, who was born in 1973. Uh, The family was happy. They spent a lot of time out of the spotlight. They spent a lot of time together on their boat that was named the Splendor, despite Wood's fear of water. After a few years, Wood began to miss the call of Hollywood. It was all she had done from like ages five to 20. It's like her whole life, right? So it makes sense that she'd be drawn back to it. Hollywood really didn't have roles for her, though. You know, like she was in her mid-30s and in Hollywood terms, that's like ancient, right? Yeah. Um, They were looking for younger actresses and she wasn't fitting the roles. It's kind of like this midpoint where like you can't play like the... The bombshell yeah. girl, and you, you can can't play, play the her crone. Mom. But but even that, like, the mom role is, like... I feel like we've been getting moms younger and younger, though. I feel like the moms just look younger and younger. Like, if you compare the age of, like, the Golden Girls to, like... Oh, well, I mean, we don't allow that and stuff. old people. We don't allow but they weren't even that old anymore. Well, they looked old. Right. Well, yeah, they played older. You're right. Like, yeah. they were probably like middle age. I remember wasn't um the oldest one on the show like actually the youngest yeah actress. Sophia was yeah, the youngest. Sophia <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah you're right there's like no in between and I'm thinking of like um shows I grew up watching like I didn't watch the OC but I remember like all the moms being like super young on that show 
Yeah. Um, and like Dawson's Creek, like the parents were really young. And I was like, how do you have this kid? Like, this doesn't even make sense. And I feel like in the real world, like the actors were like 10 years, five years apart in age. But well, like, think about um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Jensen Ackles. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, like how their age difference is something like I want to say it's like eight years or something. Mm-hmm. It's not enough where you could. But he was their father. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. In my head, I was like, I was like, well, he died, and I was like, that doesn't matter. But he didn't die until they were grown. Yeah, like they were adults when he. Yeah, that's just mm-hmm. weird. I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, that's Hollywood for you. He was he was great in that role, so I don't I I don't know who else they could have cast. But yeah, like get somebody with gray hair to do it. I don't. There's plenty of people. There are plenty forty fifty year old actors who could like do these things. It's so weird, but you're right. That's Hollywood for you. So at this time, Wood mostly did television and she mm-hmm. she produced some and but she was always kind of looking for a film role that would put her back on top. And she thought she found it in a film called Brainstorm. However, filming was not going great. She was butting heads with the director who wanted her improv lines. Natalie had a nickname, One Take Natalie. She was not known for her improv. You gave her a script, she could do it. But like riffing? Not her thing. So frustrated and looking to spend some time off of set, Wood and her husband, Wagner, took their boat out to Catalina Island. So that's just like southwest from L.A. Like it's not a it's a little a little jaunt away. Um, so they did that during a break from production. They brought along her co-star, Christopher Walken. Yes, that Christopher Walken. He always has been incredibly creepy to me. I, he was in one of the Batman movies, the one with um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Batman Returns? Maybe. But he was, like, always very creepy to me. And then, like, so I went to go see... So, like, in New York, there are plays on Broadway. And you can go stand outside, like, the stage door and, like, meet the celebrity sometimes. I was, like, very young. Um, And Anthony Mackie was in a play with um, Justin Theroux. Justin Theroux was there. And she was like, let's go. And let's, like, go stand outside the stage door. And I was like, cool, I'd love to see Anthony Mackie. And then I was like, who else is in this play? And she's like, Christopher Walken. And I was like, he scares me. Like, he's a <laughs> scary man to me. And I don't know why, like, he scared the shit out of me. But I have this horrifying picture of him. He's signing someone's autograph behind me. And he's leaning over me. And, like, it's uh, this might just be, like, me being mean and ageist. But he was just, like, he's, like, old. His skin is, like, very thin. And he's, like, leaning over me. I'll post the picture on our so Instagram. Funny. It was so incredibly creepy. But Justin Theroux was friends with Justin Long, who was there that night. No, not Justin Theroux. Who is the guy that I'm thinking of? I don't know. I mean, can you give me any he more does, context? He does the dance in Sam Rockwell. He does the dance in Charlie's Angels. It's Sam Rockwell. Okay. It's Sam Rockwell, not Justin Theroux. But Justin Long was there. So I got to also meet Justin Long. So I'll post like that picture. But it was just like I turned around and fucking Justin Long was standing behind me. And I was like what can i take a picture with you and he was like oh yeah awesome and it was like during his um like his like app apple commercial days like it was a long long time ago but christopher walken has also always been very creepy to me and like that did not help and when i post the picture you will understand why it didn't help he looks like the crypt keeper he looks like he's trying to murder me he was in oh you don't you don't have apple tv so it was he was in the show severance so good in that like his role is amazing in that. Um, He's such a creepy man. But his also that SNL stuff, his his yes. SNL stuff is very funny. The cowbell that has made me that is like kind of redeemed 
him for me. I just don't like. Gives you another also, perspective, right? Yes, because even that that music video looks like a fat boy slim like weapon of choice where he's dancing. Creepy to me. I think I've like maybe at the last like four years been like, okay, Christopher Walken, you're no longer scary. But he was scary for me for like 10, 15 years. All right. Anyway, that's just like. So Christopher Walken, my, my Natalie Wood, problems. and Robert Wagner are on a boat. Yes. It sounds like the start of a bad joke. but It does sound like the start. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's a very bad joke. Oh, Rebecca. <laughs> oh, oh, is it? So anyway, the three dined uh, on shore and then they went back to the boat to relax. So Wood went to bed. And the guys stayed up drinking. Uh, when Robert returned to the bedroom, Wood was not there. Yeah. Wood was actually found floating in the water, uh, wearing her flannel nightgown and a down jacket. On December 1st, 1981, her death was ruled accidental. Uh, the L.A. County coroner theorized that she had been trying to board an inflatable dinghy and missed her step. She was 43 years old. Let's talk about what the world thought of Natalie Wood. So she had absolute star power. Like since she was five, she was commanding the screen because she'd been doing it since she was five. People grew up with her. So like she was growing up and finding herself much like the audience was finding themselves at the time. And it made her super relatable. Sadly, as she got older, the well of roles was drying up. Something that was, you know, as we mentioned before, quite relatable for many women of this time and honestly mm -hmm. sometimes still happens today. Fans who had grown up with her saw their middle-aged selves being ignored and having to pivot to stay relevant. By the time her career was reaching its true slowdown, she was a mom and had a family to support her. Not that her career was less important, but it wasn't the only thing kind of keeping her going. She had a life outside of Hollywood at this point and she was proud of it. So it maybe, I don't know, could have made the rejection a little easier to handle. I would hope so. I would hope so. So in an article titled Scandals of Classic Hollywood, The Unspoken Tragedy of Natalie Wood, written by Anne Helen Peterson, she almost like perfectly sums up the view that people had of Natalie at the time. She says, Natalie Wood was a transitional star. Her career was straddling her career straddling Hollywood's awkward shift from the classic studio system to the independent free for all that continues to characterize film production today. Her face also seems frozen in transition from girl to woman. Wood was a child star, Oscar nominee, teen bride, and a has been all before the age of twenty. Her acting oscillated between poignant and hysterical, for which she was alternately lauded and lampooned. But she had a work ethic and ultimately survived studio manipulation to become a legend in her own right, starring in one of the, the most successful and seminal music musicals of the past 50 years. It really seems like, you know, minus a handful of film critics, people didn't really have a lot of negative things to say about Wood. There's like this halo that's sort of placed on people who die young and tragically. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that might be a part of how she's that might be a factor in in how she's seen now. But even when Wood was in like her party girl phase, it didn't really soil her career. The men that she was linked to were all respectable and there aren't really any wild tales. So like this feels like kind of odd to me. Not like I was just out here looking for trash, but like sometimes. But I feel like we've covered other women who were famous around the same time, like the 40s and the 60s. And everyone was trying to sell tales of like what drunken sluts they were just like roaming Hollywood or like 
actresses who didn't wear stockings gasp you know like everything <laughs> was so scandalous but with wood it really seems that people respected her too much to talk shit or judge her i mean what a difference being respected could make i i mean it probably boils down to wood starting her career so young maybe i not sure I but like possibly so yeah uh, most people would always see her as like a child to be looked after and not to be judged and that didn't go away as she grew up because now she was so familiar to everyone and part of like this family. I mean, I don't, I don't know this Hollywood family, I guess. And, you know, sometimes I get someone in the past. I feel like I have that connection and it's going to sound dumb, but I have that connection to Melissa Joan Hart because when I was a kid, she was Clarissa Explains It All. And when I was like a preteen, she was Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So, and then like, I think like as I was in like my 20s, she did like some show. It was like Melissa and Joey where she was like a mom. And I feel like she's been on like TV my whole life and we've kind of like aged up together. So like she gets a pass. Like I respect her. Got it. Got and it. And I wonder if like other people, like if you have that person that has like grown up alongside of you that you've seen on screen, if you feel like that way about them and it's like, I feel like I know this person, but like I clearly fucking don't know Melissa Joan Hart. <laughs> but like, I feel like I know her character. I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe it must have been something like that. Okay. Okay. I see where yeah. you're saying. So we also think that people were not even just having like the, the familiar feeling towards her. They're really sympathetic towards Wood. So the sum of her life is mostly framed as tragic, right? She was under a lot of pressure from her family, from Hollywood, and of course, the curse. The curse? <laughs> yes, there was a curse. So Wood's mom told the story of meeting a fortune teller who predicted that her second daughter would be famous and known worldwide, but also to be aware of dark water. I mean, dun, dun. I think like that's just a good rule in general. <laughs> right? I mean, be dark aware of dark sound water. Good at all. So Wood's mother reminded Natalie and the family of this literally every time she was near water. And as she got older, it affected her less and less. But when she was a teen, she was like really afraid of water. She never learned how to swim. So most people say that it was a way for her mother to control her. I mean, probably. But after her death, this curse was brought up and repeated in the media. So this curse is like the cherry on top of like the true crime cake that people are like going in for seconds and thirds after. I want cake. I always want cake. <laughs> I'll take cherries too. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we've got this curse sort of established and in the back of Wood's mind and everything. And then there's an incident on the set of Green Promise. And this only heightens the uh, this fear around the curse. So while Wood was on the set of this film, Green Promise, she was only 11 years old. She was injured in a stunt that went wrong. So during the scene, her character was crossing this like old dilapidated bridge that was supposed to be like over a raging river. And the plan was that once she crossed the bridge, the wind and the rain would collapse it, right? Mm -hmm. But sadly, someone triggered the mechanism too early and it fell apart while Wood was only halfway over. And so she fell in and struggled underwater until she could be fished out and saved. Because this was not the age where you could CGI the water, you know? It yeah, was right. real. <laughs> or the age where you could like, trust that the guy running the machine wasn't like some old drunk i mean i don't know if that was the case but i like watched the clip and like he, he literally just like hit the button too early like what 
sir, <laughs> there's a child. Like, pay attention. Like, I don't know. He's like I the drunk like Santa was... from Miracle on 34th Street. Was he drunk? At the beginning of the movie, there's a drunk Santa. Gasp. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there was a lot of regulations and stuff that weren't paid attention to. Yeah, no OSHA. Then. <laughs> yeah, right? Or even just like, I don't know, like, they're letting kids do whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so an element of mystery also surrounded the cast of Rebel Without a Cause. All three lead actors met untimely deaths. James Dean died in a car crash at the age of 24 on September 30th, 1955, just a month before the film was set to be released. Sal Minio was stabbed to death at 37 on the night of February 12th in 1976. That's Those are both pretty uh, intense yeah, like violent deaths. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then lastly, Wood herself drowned among mysterious circumstances at age 43. And those quote unquote mysterious circumstances have fueled rumors up until today. People love the macabre and have come back to her death over and over with new information and theories. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of those. So like clearly this is not a true crime podcast, so we're not going to dig too deep. But we did find 32 other podcasts that cover her death in depth if you would like to do a deep dive. Um, So here are some theories that we found from like Reddit and different podcasts and the Wood family themselves. So at one point during the night, Wood allegedly had an argument with Wagner um, and she left the yacht's cabin. Although she was allegedly deathly afraid of water, Wood climbed into the yacht's dinghy as as an attempt to travel back to shore. She didn't make it, and she was found drowned in a cove not too far from the yacht. An extension of this theory is that the two may have been scuffling, scuffling, and she fell overboard, and he thought, allegedly, serves her right, let her swim. Except she died instead because she couldn't swim. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. But, like, that seems a little bit... I mean, he knew about her fear of the water, I feel like yeah, but if you're mad fight, at someone, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Allegedly, so like I read other things. Allegedly, he was a dick. Like people who like they frequented Cantalina Island a lot, and like service workers and people who interacted with them were like, she was so nice, and he was a dick, and we don't know why she was with him. Like he fought with her constantly in public. Got it. Okay. So like I don't. I mean, maybe he was a dick. Maybe he wasn't. But like these are all alleged. Don't sue me. Well, in the documentary, Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind, Robert Wagner himself states that he and Christopher Walken got into a verbal fight about about Natalie. Walken told Wagner that Wood, Walken Wagner Wood, (laughs) sounds like a bad law firm. (laughs) It does. When I wrote it, I just like, I laughed and I was like, I'm going to leave it. (laughs) Walker Wagner and Wood, attorneys at law. Specializing in Have you been injured on the job? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Okay. All right. So Walker told Wagner that Wood would be better off without him. And according to testimony from the yacht's captain, during a heated argument on the boat, Wagner allegedly yelled at Walken, what are you trying to do? Fuck my wife? Whether or not Wood and Walken really had an affair remains unknown, but... That's not even the point of any of this, right? Uh, The extension of this theory is that either one of them went to talk to Wood about their relationship and there was a fight and she ended up overboard. I feel like there's a lot of gaps in that story. (laughs) So, I mean, I feel like everything is plausible. So say Walken did have a thing for, for Natalie 
and was like, you should leave your husband because he's a dick. And she was like, I'm not leaving my husband. I love him. And then they have like a fight. She goes overboard. Say Wagner How does is she like, get hey. overboard though? That's the part. <laughs> like, I guess if she just decides she's leaving, like like the early theories. No, like so, someone pushed her overboard. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It just feels really sus that like Christopher Walken would be like, fine, you won't leave me for your, you won't leave your husband for me. I'm going to murder you. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying like, <laughs> I can physically see how like, if you're like scuffling or something and then you would fall over. But also I would think that you would then be like, oh, fuck, she fell over. Let me reach out. Right. And, like, <laughs> get her, you know, like, like I didn't want her to fall off the fucking boat. I just wanted to like get my point across. Like I, yeah. I, also, this is a very big boat. Like this is not a. Well, it's a boat that has a dinghy. It means it's big enough, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, I feel like there had to be more than just like there had to be a railing in the way of, of all of this. There are on YouTube. They are reenactments. It's crazy. Oh, my it's God. Insane how People much... are. What? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So um, there's a family on a boat nearby who claim to hear a woman's voice crying for help from drowning. Um, in Marilyn Wayne's official statement, she said, I heard, help me. Someone please help me. I'm drowning. She said that, that her and her family heard it repeatedly. Alarmed, she called it to her son, who also heard the cries. And then he looked at his new digital watch. That is the quote. Because <laughs> it's 1981. Because <laughs> it's 1981. And he had his digital watch. And of course, he wasn't taking it off while he slept because it was a brand new digital watch. I mean, think Probably about had a calculator on it. How many people sleep with their <laughs> Apple Watch? <laughs> right. I, I t- so I have a Google Watch, which is like basically the same, same thing. thing. But I, I take it off every night to charge it. Like my husband sleeps with his watch on and I'm just like... Yeah, Sean sleeps with his on because Weird. he's trying to track his his heart rate and oh, breathing. Um, that makes but, sense. Yeah. <laughs> My husband just doesn't take his off. And I'm like, it's weird to sleep with the watch on. Like, I don't know. I don't sleep with any jewelry on. Like, besides my nose ring, because I can't take that out. But like, I don't know. But anyway, this kid had his brand new digital watch. Maybe had a calculator function. I don't know. Uh, but he looked at it when he heard the screaming. And it was just minutes after 11. So that's what the family said in their statement. This witness was sure that Wagner had something to do with Natalie's death, but she's not the only one. So Wood's sister, Lana, Lana Wood, also thinks that he's guilty. So according to Lana, Natalie had a lifelong fear of dark waters and would never have attempted to reboard the dinghy on her own in the middle of the night, especially in a nightgown. Like, again, yeah. there's all these things that just don't make sense. No, it's you're right. really cold. Like, and, and ugh, I don't get it. So for 10 years, Lana said that she lived in anguish, plagued by unanswered questions about her sister's death. As Natalie's husband, Robert Wagner, refused to provide any details about Natalie's final night. So that's a thing that lots of people have said. He's been very tight-lipped about the night. Him and Christopher Walken do not speak of it. And that could be grieving, right? That could be guilt. Could Mm -hmm. be anything. Like, you don't know exactly why they won't speak about it. But, like, everyone else is very willing and able to, like, speak on it. Just weird. Okay. In its own right. Well, Robert Wagner's 93. Maybe he has like a secret diary that will like come out at some point. A deathbed confession? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, he's 93. Honestly. And Christopher Walken is 80, so. Do it. Well, Wood's death was originally considered to be accidental drowning due to her intoxication, right? Maybe she was leaning over to look at something and mm-hmm. she fell or who knows what. She was leaning over to look at the propellers and fell, fell over. Is that a reference? That's a Titanic joke. That's a Titanic joke. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Wood's blood alcohol content was 0.14. So wait, I Googled it because I was like, is that a lot? So it says between 
0.13 and 0.15. At this point, your blood alcohol level is quite high. You'll be affected by blurred vision, loss of coordination, and balance. That see, I mean, that could pay part of it. Whether other people were involved or not, that can, uh-huh. is clearly a factor that is as yes. involved, right? Yeah. Um, for years, the matter was considered closed, but at, at least officially, right? But fans and tabloids continued to speculate about this foul play. In 2011, 30 years after her death, the L.A. Sheriff's Department announced that they were reopening her case. They changed the official cause of death to drowning and other undetermined factors. However, the investigation is still ongoing as of 2023. The truth about her death is something that we'll never know. Like, that's just it. It's a mystery. Um, both of her daughters, now 51 and 47, have long stood by Wagner when it comes to the speculation around their mother's death. In her 2020 book, More Than Love, Natasha discusses her ongoing faith in Wagner's innocence, saying, The circumstances of how exactly Natalie Wood ended up in the water will never be clearly established because she was alone when she died. And so I focus on the things that I do know. That as certain as I am that the earth is round, my father, Wagner, would have never harmed my mother or failed to save her if he, if he knew she was in danger, she wrote. Beyond the theories about her death, Wood had a very interesting life, and a lot of that is due to her mother, but their relationship wasn't always the healthiest. Her mother, Maria, was a stage mom from the start. Before Wood was discovered, her mother used to take her to the movies once a week and tell her that she would one day be on the screen. Well, I mean, that fortune teller did predict fame. So maybe she was like, this is going to be you. There you go. And when Natalie was asked to come to Hollywood for a screen test, Maria took it a step further by moving the family there, like, flat out. Her husband was not into this, but the mom was like, no, we've got to do this. So since Wood was so young when she started acting, she couldn't even read yet. So her mother would tell her her lines and the emotions that should go along with it. There's a story that was spread around Hollywood for a long time that Wood... Wood could not cry in command, so her mother brought a butterfly to a screen test. They, she brought this butterfly in a glass jar, knowing that Natalie was very sensitive about animals. Maria tore off the wings of the butterfly, <laughs> causing a river of tears from Natalie. It worked and Natalie got the part, but... but that's messed up. Jesus Christ. I can't even picture someone doing that. Like, I I can't even picture it. I don't want to. That sounds so You need to up. cry? You need to cry? <laughs> Like, like what? tearing up a butt. Like, I mean, how do you even? That's mm, no. I don't even know what force do you need? Like, they seem so delicate. Like, do butterflies bleed? I don't know. Like, I just do butterflies bleed and other questions I never thought we would ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, this wouldn't be the last time that Maria did what she thought was best and in turn ended up traumatizing her daughter. Earlier, we told you about how, as an 11-year-old, Wood was injured in a stunt gone wrong. She struggled underwater until she could be fished out and saved, and she walked away with a broken wrist, but because her mother didn't want them to seem like they were trouble, Maria didn't report the injury and just said Wood was fine. Uh, Spoiler alert, she was not fine, and her wrist didn't heal properly. Wood later wore bracelets on her left wrist to hide the large protruding bone. I wonder when that would stop hurting. Like, it sounds like her wrist, like, popped out of the socket. Yeah, I don't... Or something. I don't know. I mean, if you don't have the x-rays, it's like... Even if it just... It just would heal wrong, yeah? Yeah, that's... I mean, that's what it did. Like, you can... I mean, it's hard to see in pictures because she did a really good job of, like, covering it. But, like... 
just imagine like the bone coming out of your wrist. Like, was it just crooked? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what like I'm imagining. Like, kind of. Like, yeah. I don't know. So, like I said before, Wood was known as One Tick Natalie, and this was all Maria's doing. She constantly coached Wood and never let her fall out of line. Flubbing your words or showing up late to set was unprofessional and how you became a problem to work with. And nobody wants to be a problem. Maria wanted Wood to always be the best, no matter how stressful that could be for Wood. This sort of micromanaging made Wood one of the most cooperative and professional young actresses in Hollywood. But it also made her anxious and, you know, afraid of failure. So there's there's yeah. that. <laughs> we think about, like, take- trauma that just, like, <laughs> passed yeah. down. By the age of nine, Wood was making $800 a week with her deal with 20th Century Fox. She was the top earner in her household. By the time she was 12, she was the only earner in her household. Wood's father had a series of heart attacks when she was 12. And after this, he couldn't work for years. So Natalie's income made the difference between eating or not. Wood spoke about having nightmares that her family would starve to death if she didn't succeed. You know, no pressure, right? Seriously. Well, she was the one making the money. She was not the one calling the shots. Even though she was looking for deeper roles, it was her mother who had the final say in which roles she got. So we've spoken about women who are managed by their parents before. When they feel too much pressure in their parents' house, what do they do? They get married. They get married. Think Janet Jackson or Selena. Remember we said that Wood married Robert Wagner when she was like 19? Mm -hmm. Marriage is a definitive way to say I'm taking control over my life or my husband is. Yeah, right? It's like (laughs) the thing that ends up happening in so many cases. And we didn't see this with Selena, but we did see it with Janet Jackson was like that man then takes control because you're not used to having the ability to have control. Mm-hmm. Anyway, from the time that Natalie was really young, she was always learning, right? Her classroom was the film set. She knew how to find her light. She knew all about blocking, where her mark should be, angles, all of that. And despite this, though, she was not very confident in her skills. So, for example, while filming West Side Story, she felt out of her league. She was also a perfectionist, so nothing was ever right for her. She was really insecure about playing a Puerto Rican and speaking with an accent. Okay, girl. It's good. I'll, I'll give yeah. you that. I'll give you that. You are a <laughs> Russian-American mm-hmm. woman. Yeah, I got you. But she was also worried about singing and dancing because she was not a professional singer and she was not a professional dancer. But she was surrounded by professional singers and dancers. So that can be intimidating. So the role was even demanding for those professional singers and dancers and almost impossible for an amateur to master. She felt that the other actors were making fun of her. Her fears were only elevated when they announced that they would dub her voice with a professional vocalist, Marnie Nixon. Natalie felt very pressured, so much so that she called out sick so often, which is totally out of character. (laughs) Cough, cough, anxiety much? Like we didn't have, we weren't calling it that, but like clearly you get so in your head about it, you make yourself sick. Yeah, exactly. So she was disappointed in her performance, but the rest of the world, including me, loved it. This film was a hit and still is. IndieWire ranked the 60 best movie musicals of all time, and West Side Story is number three. All right. The remake is number 50, but I think both are worth seeing. I'm pretty sure both are on HBO Max right now. Wood took that fear and channeled it by starring in another musical called Gypsy. She did all the singing and all the dancing, and her voice was used for the actual singing. And everyone loved that one, too. So, like, I feel like she took this trauma or this, like, oh, my God, I did such a horrible job and, like, made it into something good that she could be proud of. Yeah, I like that. 
During an interview, indie film director Henry Jaglum released more info about Wood. So the two dated for a period of time where he encouraged her to sort of um, shake off her celebrity persona. And Wood would be visibly different in ho- for like Hollywood's eyes, like when she was doing Hollywood stuff. She grew up under the glare of the light, so she could understand that like some parts of her were for the public and some things were not. According to Jaglum, Wood would call it putting on the badge. As he described it, he had told her, I love you around the house. You're this easygoing, warm, open person. And then as soon as we get to these parties or these events, you become someone else. Natalie's response, oh, that's the badge. At home, I'm just Natasha. We've seen that before. I think Whitney Houston, um, someone who had to be someone else in public, which puts so much stress in every other part of your life. Yeah, exactly. It's just so difficult to not be yourself constantly. Like you can't just like generally be yourself. It also makes it seem like we never get the real Natalie Wood. But we'd like to think that, you know, her life really did change and change for the better after her suicide attempt. It seems like, you know, she let go a lot of a lot of the stress, a lot of the pressure and some of that imposter syndrome and found what mattered to her, right? A family and a career that might not have been as flashy as before, but one that she at least had control over. So let's talk about like some of the impact she had. So her performance in Splendor in the Grass uh, was world-renowned. Everyone loved it. So Wood received nominations for an Academy Award, a Golden Globe Award, and a BAFTA Award for Best Actress in the Leading Role. She didn't win, but she was devoted to the project, so having these nominations were a great validation. She also earned two other Oscar nominations, one for Best Actress in a Leading Role for Love with the Proper Stranger in 1964, and one for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Rebel Without a Cause in 1956. Additionally, she won a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Television Series for the miniseries From Here to Eternity. Well, on the set of The Great Race, Wood learned that the two lead actors were being paid more than she was, and not by a little. According to her family, she went to all kinds of extremes to make sure that everything became equal. And you know what? Get it, girl. (laughs) Yeah, right? But the thing is, she was in a rare position to be able to do so, right? She had the backing of the studio after having been such a diligent child actress, teen actress. Like, she had a reputation. She had, Mm -hmm. like, clout, I guess. Yeah. And there was no excuse, and there never is any excuse, but there was no excuse Mm -mm. not to make things equal, so they did. And this actually helped empower other female actresses of the time to ask for things they might otherwise not have. She always tried to empower women and advocated for them on her set. Um, In recognition of her contributions, the... In recognition of her contributions to the film and television industry, Natalie Wood received the Woman in Film Crystal Award. Throughout her life, Natalie Wood supported numerous charitable organizations, including the American Cancer Society and the Children's Diabetes Fund. She had a passion for horseback riding and was an accomplished equestrian, often participating in horse riding competitions for charity. This really, this one isn't really an accomplishment. I just think it's kind of funny. So when Wood started in the 1980 film, The Last Married Couple in America, she became the first major female star to say the word fuck on screen in reference to sex. Whoop, whoop. I don't know why that's exciting to me. Like (laughs) it is funny, right? I was just like, no one said fuck like to fuck as a verb until 1980. Like that seems kind of crazy. And like, she got to be the first one to say it. Mm -hmm. So 
props to her. But at the end of the day, her tragic and untimely death in 1981 only added to the enigma surrounding her life, leaving millions of fans to mourn a true talent. Despite the mysteries surrounding her passing, Natalie Wood's legacy continues to live on through her body of work, inspiring generations of actors. All right, so let's restore the natural order. Final thoughts, takeaways. (laughs) That really bothered you, switching the final thoughts last time. It threw me off like nothing. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what is happening here? I don't even know. This whole world is upside down. (laughs) It wasn't that deep for me. I was just like, oh, well, well, maybe we'll switch it because I always do it first. But like, (laughs) never again. Fair. Uh, Sorry, I'm like... It's funny because I just call it being particular. It's probably more like OCD. But, um, I call it being particular. And it's like, once something is established in a certain routine, I like to stick yeah. to it. Fair. It's we my problem. It it's definitely a me problem. So my final thoughts on Natalie Wood is um, I just remember seeing West Side Story and becoming like super obsessed. And it was before that it was before people could just like Google stuff. So I was just like, she's just really cool actress like in my head. And that was it. Until like years later, like I Googled like, you know, what's Natalie Wood up to? And I was like, oh, she died. And then I learned about like this whole conspiracy. And I didn't learn about like her actual life until a couple of years ago because there's been so much attention paid to the terrible ending that Mm. you have to really dig. Like, I mean, I feel like as a society, we get stuck on the morbid elements and like true crime is huge for a reason. But I think that we forgot that there's like a family behind all of it. Like Wood has daughters who lost their mom at a really young age. So every five years, someone writes a book claiming that they have new information that like just shakes up the whole family. Like it kind of reminds me of uh, Mary Monroe's death and how anyone who ever met her wrote a book giving their fucking perspective. Like she had like an old landlady who wrote a book, like some dude who the first dude that she was married to for like two years wrote a book. Like everyone has like something to say. And it's annoying to me. Like Wood's sister wrote a book and we didn't mention it for a reason. It gets like really, really personal. And we don't know if a lot of that stuff is true. And I just don't think that we need to know it. So like basically my takeaway is like, we should be celebrating people for their whole lives and not just, a tragic ending because if you just google natalie wood the first three pages are all about the murder death. mystery yeah it's it, it was even kind of really hard to do research because it was like everything is about how she died and not about how people she lived. coming forward yeah and it's just it's really it's really sad that that's the focus and her daughter um there's that documentary on on hbo or max i don't I have to figure out what the fuck to call it Listen, I'm still calling Twitter, Twitter, so. (laughs) Right, same. So there's a documentary that they did where they focus a lot on her life and there's not most of the books and and, um, even all the articles I could find were like the tragic, the scandal, the mysterious. And it was like, there was good things before that. Like, Mm -hmm. it just seems really sad to get stuck on all the macabre, conspiracy theory parts like i just feel like life is bigger than conspiracy theories it should be absolutely yeah i mean for me when i think of natalie wood i previous to this anyway you know i really would only think of miracle on 34th street but uh, again i'm not a super film buff as we all know (laughs) so it's probably not super surprising and like yeah west side story a little bit as well but like only after being reminded i i'll always be like oh wait who was that again in west side story and then i'll hear it and like yeah 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 that's right so for me because i associate her with miracle on 34th street mostly i just thought of her as a child actress and never really thought beyond Mm. that 
But there's Fair. so much more beyond that, right? Yeah. And so I thought this episode was really interesting to get into because I think we take a lot of the sort of old-timey Hollywood actors and all of these people for granted and don't really think about, kind of like what you were saying, the story of their lives, not just the story mm -hmm. of their death or the story of for some of them who end up leaving acting after being children, like the scandal around it and so on. And and for her, it was just like, there was actually just a life that she was living uh, beforehand. Mm -hmm. And it's good to acknowledge that. Yeah. So let's get into some resources and references. So um, there's one, the story of Natalie Wood is also the story of her mother by Meryl Rubin. Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind, directed by Laurent Buzereau. And that's on HBO Max, or whichever we're calling it. I'm calling it both. Yeah. Until Why not both? Why not both? I mean, the app does say Max, but like HBO has just been a staple for like it's, yeah. decades. And you know what I realized? That there's no more of that like fuzzy screen and then like the show. Oh, yeah. That's gone. So I remember that was another, I guess, like a, a point of my, what is it, my spectrum of like where your pop culture lies. When you hear the fuzzy screen, what's the next thing for you? For me, it's instantly the Sex and the City theme. For my husband, it's Sopranos. Hmm. I don't know that I have one. You don't have an HBO thing? Yeah, not not one that was like that big. And I didn't watch, like I didn't have HBO when it was just like a cable. Yeah, I had it sporadically whenever there was like a sale. Yeah, well, I get that. <laughs> yeah. So another one, Natalie Wood's sister. Okay, this is this is one of my, my fucking pet peeves. Natalie Wood's sister always thought husband Robert Wagner was responsible for her drowning death. I think he's a coward by Aaron Snodgrass. So yeah, that, it's pet peeve for the title, but also title. pet peeve for like the drama in the title. It's not just the length, but the drama. It's like, okay, you want us to read this article, but like you could have just named it like Natalie Wood's sister has her doubts. Yeah. Punto final. Like, what is this? <laughs> it's so extra. We have one Scandals of Classic Hollywood, The Unspoken Tragedy of Natalie Wood by Anne Helen Peterson. Um, and we recommend her film, West Side Story, 1961, directed by Robert Wise. And finally, More Than Love, An Intimate Portrait of My Mother, Natalie Wood, written by Natasha Gregson Wagner. So let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you have anything to add to the conversation that we might have left out? Or do you have any suggestions for women that we should cover in the upcoming year? Follow the podcast on Twitter. It will always be Twitter. As long as yeah, we're there. I'm, I'm thinking we should, maybe I will shift us over to Blue Sky. But I think since Blue Sky is still like an invitation thing, it doesn't, it's not super beneficial to us yet. Like you we invite all our subscribers to. Yes, to I've got a couple of, uh. I've got a couple of invites, so if someone wants one, <laughs> you'll have to tweet at me, I guess. <laughs> tweet at the podcast. That's the roundabout way to find people. Yeah. Anyway, we are still on Twitter at Big Rep Pod. We're also on Instagram and TikTok, mostly Instagram at Big Reputations Pod. And you can message us there or send us an email at bigreputationspod at gmail.com. And you know, we'd love to hear from you. Thoughts on the episodes, ideas for who we should cover, all of that. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, whether they're jets or sharks. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. And check out our Big Reputations merch. The link is in the show notes as well as in our Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase.
And remember, we have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash bigreputationspod, or just check out the link in our link tree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you'll get a shout out in our episodes. And if you choose the $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episodes. These are short mini episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up, Kiki Palmer. Stick around after the episode where we'll share a teaser from that Little Rep episode. All right, let's wrap this up. Kim, what quote do you have for us this week? So I have one from the woman of the hour, Miss Natalie Wood. Stardom is only a byproduct of acting. I don't think being a movie star is a good enough reason for existing. I like the 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 realism of that. I do. I like the sentiment. And I think that that maybe is what got her through a lot of shit. Like I, I'm, I was put on this earth for more than just like making the studio money or being famous. Absolutely. And as always, believe women. parents' names are Sharon and Larry Palmer. Uh, The two met in drama school and had both worked as professional actors earlier in their lives before transitioning into full-time careers. Larry is a ridiculous name. Well, it is short for Lawrence. I'm sure, but like Larry (laughs) just sounds like... Like Like the cucumber? Is this your VeggieTales shit again? (laughs) I can't with you and your VeggieTales. I was like, who would name a cucumber? I was like, oh, it must be this VeggieTales thing. Yeah, it's Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber. Obviously.